Any life that we ourselves find is no life at all. So if you're seeking your own life and you find it, you won't really find the life that you were supposed to have. The only true life we have is in Christ Jesus. Welcome to A Word from God with your host and teacher, James Lindley. The title of this episode is Follow Jesus and Fear Not and was recorded live at Grand Community Church in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, this is Misha Pelkey, and before we get started, I want to remind you that James loves hearing from his listeners. Drop him a line via email at james at a wordfromgod.net. That email again is james at a wordfromgod.net. Or write to James Lindley Ministries, P.O. Box 8082, Springfield, Missouri, 65801. That address again is James Lindley Ministries, P.O. Box 8082, Springfield, Missouri, 65801. Now here's your host and teacher, James Lindley. In these final verses of Matthew chapter 10, Jesus instructs his disciples to have no fear, to deny themselves even unto death. Christians today are instructed by the Lord to do the same. Okay, so um, to begin with, number one, have no fear, Matthew 10, verses 26 through 33. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Well, some strong words that uh, Jesus is saying out here. And you know what? He's not just talking to the disciples back then. He's talking to us right now. A lot of people won't say that they love Jesus, that they accept Jesus, that they follow Jesus. They won't publicly announce that. Baptism doesn't get you saved, but it's a good indication that you are because baptism is like a marriage ceremony, you see. And when we get baptized, we do it in front of witnesses, right? And we publicly announce that we accept Jesus Christ. That's part of baptism, amen? It's saying to everybody in public, hey, I accept Jesus. I am announcing and accepting Jesus in front of people. People uh, who refuse to do that are denying Christ. Fear can paralyze a person. Christians are not to fear people, but rather fear, respect, God. Okay, the kind of fear that Jesus is talking about is a respectful fear. Okay, well, what Jesus is saying here is, is that we shouldn't be worried about what people are going to think, what they might do, how they might act, because we're talking about him. We should rather fear God and what he has instructed us to do. 
In other words, we can't look at people and say, well, I better not do what the Bible tells me to do because they might do something to me I don't like. We should rather be pleasing God and respect him. A person can go only so far in harming us, okay? The most they can do is kill us, but God has the power to damn. God has the power to damn a person's soul. And so Jesus in this passage is telling us that we need to fear the one who has power over body and soul. Who has the greater power, the person that can kill you physically or the person who can kill you physically and damn you to hell? And that's what Jesus is explaining. Jesus knows that we will be persecuted. When you follow Jesus and you're doing everything he tells you to do, persecution is going to come. And if you're not experiencing persecution in your life, you might want to come to God and ask him, Lord, am I doing everything you told me to do? Because people are pretty much leaving me alone. So Jesus knows that we will be persecuted. We must not let fear of rejection, scorn, pain, or suffering stop us from telling others about him. We are to shout out to the world what we hear from the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about when you hear things in secrecy, Jesus had to talk in secret because there was people that wanted to kill them. And, um, you know, there's, there's people in the world right now that want to kill Christians. Don't, don't fool yourself, okay? There's people in this country that hate us, okay? But he wants us to shout out to the world what we hear from the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want that to, do, to deter us. He wants us to continue forward. And what we hear in our alone time with God, we are to publicly announce to other people. When I read my Bible and I talk to the Lord in my private secret place, if you will, the Lord comes back and tells me when the time is right, hey, now say it to this person, say it to that person. Christians are priceless to God. Even the hair on our heads are numbered. God knows exactly how many hair strands we have. Not even a sparrow drops out of the sky without God knowing about it. Now, see, I like this because you know what? When trouble strikes, we, we tend to be like the disciples. Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? Because he was sleeping on the boat. You remember that? And um, God is aware of the trouble that you're into when you're into it. He knows what's going on. He knows what's happening in your life. And uh, you may not feel like he's there. You may feel like he's not watching after you, but he's, he's got his eye on you. And so even the hair on our heads are numbered by God, and he's very attentive. And we're worth more than a bird, aren't we, to God? Aren't we worth more than a bird? And what he means by that is if he's looking after the birds like that, how much greater will he look after you? So the next time trouble falls into your lap, go to God and don't question if he knows whether or not what's happening to you. Just go to him and lean on him because he already knew it was coming way before you were ever even uh, created by him. Amen. Okay, God knows of every single thing going on in a believer's life. Nothing is beyond him and nothing is out of his control. It may feel like things are out of control in your life, but God knows what's going on, amen? We are to obey God and leave all the consequences to him because he cares for us. See, when God tells you to do something, don't worry about the consequences. If he's told you to do it, 
then he's already aware of the consequences and he's in control of those consequences. So he's going to take care of you if he's told you to do it. Amen? This does not mean that God will take all our troubles away. In this life you will have, right? Trouble. Okay? Uh, if, if you're trouble-free, then you are somebody truly unique. Unique, because um, even Jesus had troubles. Amen? We must also be careful not to be reckless in our lives. And we don't want to just play in the street, right? We don't want to walk out and say, oh, God, take care of me. Come on, bus. Try to hit me. We don't want to do that, right? So we want to try to avoid trouble as much as possible. The true test of someone of value, because Jesus talked about how much value he has in us, right? Is when the going gets tough, right? Do they stay the course or do they run? You see, trouble comes along to test the value of the Christian who's being tested. We know that Christians will stay the course. But when a fake comes along and a test comes along, that's how God leads them out. Okay? When, when the church experiences trouble and pain and suffering, guess what happens? Those who weren't called by God, they're the first to go. That's why some churches experience pain and suffering, because there's people there that weren't called by God. They're not answering the call. They don't belong there. Not everybody that sits in church belongs in church. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want every person to belong there. But some people's heart is not in it. And sometimes God has to bring suffering along into the church to weed out those people. Why? Because the true test of someone of value is when the going gets tough. Do they stay the course or do they run? Christians glorify God when they stay the course as troubles wash over their lives. You see, listen, you can talk how great God is all the time to anybody you want to, but unless they see, unless they see you standing with God during trouble, they don't see the value of God. Do you understand that? When you run, as soon as trouble comes and you run away from church and you run away from Bible reading and you run away from prayer and you run away from God, you're devaluing the value of God. And so when we stay the course, people look at us and go, wow, through all of that, they still glorify God. They still trust in God. That puts a higher value on God to other people. Now they want what you've got, right? Nobody wants what you got if you're running from what you got. Hey, I thought you were a Christian. Yeah, but I'm running now. Oh, well, I don't want none of that. That's no value to me. Hey, I thought you were a Christian. I am, and praise Jesus. I'm not happy where I'm at, but I'm happy with who I'm with. Amen? Oh, I want that. That's valuable. That's valuable. Number two, not peace, but a sword. Matthew 10, verses 34 through 39 do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, wow. 
Again, some strong words. And let's clarify what Jesus is talking about. The peace that Jesus is talking about here is not spiritual peace. He did come to bring spiritual peace, okay? But he's actually talking about worldly peace. There will be divisions of friends, family, loved ones over Jesus, okay? So, yes, there'll be spiritual peace. But the peace that he's talking about is the peace that the world knows, okay? When you accept Jesus Christ, you're going to have people that used to be your friend that won't be your friend anymore. You'll have loved ones who will argue with you and reject what you have chosen or who you have chosen, I should, should say. There are groups of people and even whole countries who hate Christianity. So yes, the sword that Jesus is talking about is a dividing instrument that says it's me or, or the world. I'm cutting it right down the middle. He's slicing it right down the middle. There's a division there. Jesus wants us to love our parents and respect them. Of course he does. Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments, right? Okay. However, we are never to choose anyone or anything over him, no matter what the consequences. If your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, they don't agree, you can't denounce Jesus because they don't agree with what you agree with over Jesus. So yeah, you cannot pick them over Jesus. If they say, look, if you're going to be a Christian, then you got to get out of this house. You need to pack your stuff and go. It's no fun. But if they're giving you ultimatum between you and him, or between them and him, I should say, well, Christians are to take up our cross and follow him. In Jesus' day, when he said the word cross, man, everybody knew what cross meant. You see, in, in, in the, the Romans were in charge of, of the Jewish people back then, and so it was very commonplace to be just walking along and seeing people crucified, executed. And you think about this for a minute. They killed Jesus. The Romans killed Jesus, right? Because the Jews demanded it. Now you think about our court systems here today. You can't go in the court and tell people, judge, kill this person. Why? Because if you don't, we're going to make a big stink about it. We're going to riot in the streets. That's not going to happen. But the Romans killed Jesus because the Jews wanted it. Think about that. Did not Pilate say, I find no fault in the man and wash his hands of him? Not only did he kill Jesus, but he beat him first. Because the people demanded it. So that's how common it was for people to be executed in the Roman days. People get together and say, kill him, kill him. And they just cave it. They didn't care about life. Okay, just give them what they want. Shut them up and just kill the guy. Let's get it over with. That's basically what Pilate was doing. I don't want no trouble. So when Jesus said, take up your cross, that meant death. That meant excruciating suffering. That meant pain. That meant endurance. They knew what he meant. It means that we are to sacrifice our life unto death for Jesus, if necessary. Now see, you guys look at me and you might think, wow, pastor, that's, that's pretty strong words, but... Jesus also said before that that he'll take care of you, right? He's going to take care of you. 
Any life that we ourselves find is no life at all. So if you're seeking your own life and you find it, you won't really find the life that you were supposed to have. The only true life we have is in Christ Jesus. That's twofold because when you're saved, you have a new life in Jesus. But Jesus is also talking about living here, living now. There's nothing that you can bring in your own life that's going to be more satisfying to your soul than serving God sacrificially. So when you lose your life for Jesus, you're actually finding your life because that's why he chose you out of the world. God just didn't come up and say, I'm just going to save you and you're going to enjoy the rest of your life doing your thing. Well, that's of no value. That's wasting the gift. The gift should be shared. The gift of grace should be given to other people. And here are the instrument. And so what does he want us to do? He wants us to proclaim it from the housetops. He wants us to do that, and that takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice to invite people to church. It takes sacrifice for us to drive them to church. It takes sacrifice for us to break out our tithe every week and give something to God so that the gospel can be taught and brought forward, right? Those things aren't easy. That's why God is asking them of you. Because he is having you, he's giving you, I should say, the chance to show your value to the rest of the world. You see, it's not enough that you are valuable to God. He wants us on display to glorify him. We're not glorifying God when we're living for ourselves. We're glorifying God when we're sacrificing ourselves for him. People people see that and they go, wow, what is it about God that these people know that I don't, that they would give their whole life to him and endure this pain and suffering? You know, and you'll find that when you're serving God wholeheartedly, sacrificially, your friends will slowly drop off. You look back, you'll be like, man, I thought all these people were following me. I thought we were on the same road. Man, they, they left. You call them up. Where are you at? Man, you're asking too much of me, Pastor. You're asking too much of me, man. I can't be there for you, man. I just I had to drop out. Right? That's what happens. When the going gets tough, God starts weeding them out of your life. Next thing you know, you're like Jesus, man. You're off in lonely places and... You really don't have much people you can call a friend. Many people struggle through life searching for the answers. Christ is the answer. As we try to live our lives our way, we find that we are actually losing out on the life Christ has for us. And number three, rewards. I like that. I like rewards. You like rewards? I like them. I like them. And God must like them too because he gives them. Matthew 10 Verses 40 and through 42 says, Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, He will by no means lose his reward. 
So let's clarify what Jesus is talking about here, about little ones, okay? All believers represent Christ. Anyone who accepts you as a Christian accepts Jesus and God the Father. So anyone who accepts a Christian is accepting Jesus Christ, okay? In the sense that they're welcoming, welcoming Christ. You get it? A prophet is someone directly appointed by God to teach and preach his word. It's not prophecy type prophet. The word here would actually mean a minister, a preacher, a pastor, a leader, okay? Someone who's appointed to preach the word. That's why he separates the two by saying anyone who accepts God's ministers, quote, or should I say brackets, <laughs> prophets, will share in the reward that God has for prophets. You see, God rewards people for the things that he asks them to do, and they do it in love for him. They do it out of their heart. People who come along and help those that he's asked to do work, they get rewarded, and they get the same type of reward that the prophet receives. I've seen many people blessed for helping me. I have. Anyone who accepts God's ministers will share in the reward that God has for them. And that's awesome. That's awesome because God's not forgetting anybody. Now, a righteous person is anyone saved by grace through Christ, okay? And anyone who accepts God's people will share in the reward that God has for his people. So obviously what Jesus is saying here is there's two types of rewards, one's for prophets and one's for the standard Christian. And no one's above anybody else. We're not saying that. But he's appointed everybody a share of work in the kingdom, right? And so he is going to spend his rewards according to what he has laid out for the work for the people to do. Amen? Little ones refer to people of little standing. That's what it actually means in the Greek that he was talking about. Some people get that mixed up and think he's talking about children. Well, that doesn't make any sense because we're not talking about kids in this passage. Little ones are people of little statue. Humble people. God's people are to be humble and of low standing. We are not to be puffed up. Those who help the little ones of this world will be rewarded by God. We are considered the meek. Okay, and the meek shall inherit the earth. Okay, we are the little ones. We are his little ones. Yes, we are his children. We are to be of low standing. We are to be humble. We are not to be puffed up in pride. And when someone comes along and they see that, they have two choices. This guy is weak and vulnerable, and I can take everything he has, and I can take advantage of him or her. Or they could say, this person has humbled themselves, and they live a simple, God-fearing life, and I want to help them. The person who wants to help that individual, because they are with God, they will get their reward. Conclusion, the cost of following Jesus in a broken, sin-filled world can be great. With Christ by our sides and with our faith in him, the reward will be even greater. Come and make a choice to follow Jesus today. Amen. This is Misha again to remind you that James loves hearing from his listeners. You can contact him via email at james at a wordfromgod.net. Again, that's james at a wordfromgod.net. Or write to James Lindley Ministries, P.O. Box 8082, Springfield, Missouri 65801. 
And be sure to visit us online at www.awardfromgod.net. I'm Misha Pelkey for A Word From God. And I'm James Lindley. And I want to thank you for listening. And I pray that God will bless you immensely from this message.